If the people don't want to come out to the ballpark, nobody's going to stop them. The future ain't what it used to be. How can you think and hit at the same time? Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! Last week, more specifically, Friday, May 12th, would have been the 98th birthday of a man who spent a lifetime, a long lifetime in Major League Baseball. He was born in 1925, and he left this earth in 2015. And in the 90 years between those dates, he was involved in Major League Baseball for the vast majority of his life. And that man is Yogi Berra. His playing career was phenomenal. Three times he was named most valuable player in the American League. 18 times he was an all-star. And get this, 10 times he played on a team that won the World Series. Those kind of numbers, that kind of career, gets a person elected into baseball's Hall of Fame. And Yogi Berra was in 1972. When you talk to historians and fans of the game, and you have a discussion about the greatest catchers ever to play this game, Yogi Berra is going to be in the conversation as one of the best two or three ever. Some people, I would say probably many people, would have an inclination to say, okay, Johnny Bench was number one. But I don't think anybody's going to drop Yogi Berra down any lower than number two or number three in the history of baseball. And after that Hall of Fame career as a player finished, he didn't leave baseball. He stayed in the game as a manager and as a coach. He managed both the New York Yankees and the New York Mets. And he also accomplished significant things outside the game of baseball. He was a Navy machine gunner during World War II. Yogi Berra participated in the D-Day invasion and was awarded several medals, including the Purple Heart. Yogi Berra is known for all of these things, but he's also known for something else, something that has become known as yogiisms. I used yogiisms in the introduction. These are statements, quotes from Yogi Bear, and there are dozens of them if you want to look them up. Here are a few more beside the ones I used in the intro. Always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't go to yours. I really didn't say everything I said. Half the lies they tell about me aren't true. And I think he said this about a restaurant. No one goes there nowadays. It's too crowded. And then what I thought about, I think after I saw that it was uh, the date of his birth, May 12th, I thought about this one that he said. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. And I started thinking about that particular yogiism. And I realized that like many of the other yogiisms, they may at first appear to be nonsensical. But when you think about them a little bit more, when you dig into them a bit more, you realize that, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot to be gleaned from a yogiism. And I think this one 
when you come to a fork in the road, take it, fits in that category. I mean, after all, unless you come to that fork, unless you decide you're going to stand still, be paralyzed, and go absolutely nowhere, you have to take the fork. It's unavoidable. Now, that being said, it seems that many are taking the fork without a lot of thought as to why they choose one or the other, where it goes, what the consequences may be. And then there are those who do ask the why and where questions and sometimes decide to take one fork or another based on poor reasoning. And there are some even that do it based on evil reasoning. And this is true in the game of baseball and in life. It's true in the game of baseball, whether you're talking about the commissioner's office and Major League Baseball as an industry, whether you're talking about the 30 organizations that comprise Major League Baseball, which includes, again, the major leagues and the minor leagues, whether you're talking about independent professional teams, amateur teams, little league, it doesn't matter. So we could talk about Major League Baseball, college baseball, high school baseball, perfect game, U-Triple-S-A, little league. We can talk about those running those institutions and industries, those coaching and managing, those playing, those umpiring, the fans who watch them. We all come to the fork in the road and we take it. And again, it's true for all of life. And it's true every day, often multiple times of the day, where we come to the fork and we have to go somewhere. And we have to know, or we should know at least, why and where does this lead? And ultimately, it comes down really to two decisions, or the fork remains the same regardless of the the particulars about the situation. One is, I will follow King Jesus, trusting and obeying, or I will follow self. What I think is best, what I desire to be best, what is most convenient, what is easiest, what is mo- whatever the case may be. It's those two decisions. So again, Christ or chaos. And this is a daily event for every human being living on this earth. The unbelievers always take the fork that says self. Some of them do so with a more altruistic mindset. Some of them do so with a far more selfish mindset. But it still comes back to, if I'm not walking in obedience and joyful obedience, trusting Christ, then I'm taking the road of self. And for Christians, every decision we make, every day, is, am I doing this, walking in faithful obedience to King Jesus, or am I taking the fork which is easier, the fork which feeds the flesh? Now, going back to baseball, and in particular, Major League Baseball, a fork was taken years ago, and a phrase was used and has been used now for years, and I think it was used in a commercial by Ken Griffey Jr., and the phrase is, let the kids play. Major League Baseball came to a fork in the road, and they chose that fork, and it appears to me that where that fork has led, the let the kids play, has led to basically an attitude of, you do you. If you want to do this or that, go for it. There are many people, and I am included among those many people, who do not believe this was a wise fork to travel. They don't believe that mindset is good. And there continues to be evidence, even among people who would be more inclined to think it is a good thing to say, let the kids play, you do you, there seems to be an evidence that it's wearing thin even on some of those kind of people. And Profar makes the catch. So the inning is over. Oh, now we got some trouble going. 
Well, Bryce Harper's going to have to be held back. Jake Bird started saying something. Harper's not happy about it. He's pushing Diaz. Watch the elbow. Right at the top step of the Rockies' dugout, shouting, and many of them coaches wearing the hooded warm-up tops. Now the bullpens have emptied. Harper was red hot coming out of that bullpen, or dugout, rather. Well, Mother's Day action. Bryce Harper was indeed red hot. He was some kind of man. And what prompted it was that Jake Bird, who was pitching for the Rockies, this game was yesterday, Philadelphia at Colorado, had gotten into a jam in the seventh inning and then got out of it. Well, that's fine and dandy. That wouldn't have fired up Bryce Harper or anybody else. I mean, it would have fired up his own teammates. But as he was leaving the field, he had his head in the Phillies dugout, was clapping his hand with his glove, and was, and pun intended here, chirping at the Philadelphia Phillies players. And that was too much for Bryce Harper. And he he wanted some flesh. Benches cleared from what I saw the video. No real fight broke out. Nobody was hurt or any of that. You did hear the announcer talk about watch out for the elbow. Remember, Bryce Harper just came back. And he came back in a very rapid fashion after Tommy John surgery. But here's the question. Who gets to decide when you go too far in let the kids play? Who gets to decide when you do you is not acceptable? Because if there is no objective standard of what it means to be a professional, in this case, a professional baseball player, a major league baseball player, if there is no objective standard, if it's all about you do you, and there's no objective standard about what it means to be respectful, respectful of the game, respectful of your teammates, respectful of the other team, whatever the case may be, then who gets to decide when you doing you has gone too far? Another thing that baseball has done, and it's a fork in the road, they came to and they took it, and that is allowing electronic equipment to be used in the dugout. Now, granted, these tablets can't have internet connection or anything like that, but they decided we're going to allow this to happen. We're going to have these tablets in there so that, in particular, let's say, a batter can look at his last at-bat or his last couple at-bats against the guy who's on the mound. Or maybe they're looking at the at-bat of the relief pitcher who just came in the game, and they're saying, okay, I faced him a couple of weeks ago, or I faced him last year. They made that decision. I remember when I was still involved in baseball, and I was in Milwaukee for a series I, a lot of times I watch the game from the video room because you can't sit in the dugout if you're not on the, the coaching staff. And I would see the players, you could hear, so I'm watching the game, which is on a delay, but you could hear the fans and you know what's going on. And then players would come up the tunnel to the video room to watch that at bat that just took place. Well, now they've brought the tablets into the dugout so that that doesn't happen anymore. You can just sit and watch in the dugout. But I saw this and I've seen it a lot. I saw it last week. I do not remember the two players. I don't even remember what team they were on but two Major League players sitting next to one another in the dugout in a Major League Baseball game while the game was going on had their heads buried into a tablet. And I'm sure that some good can come out of watching that, but here's the question. What are they missing? Another yogiism. You can observe a lot just by watching. You see, that's a very true statement. But you can't observe a whole lot if you're not watching. If your head is buried into that tablet, sure, there are some things you can get out of there. But what are you missing about watching the pitcher right now, live? What are you missing about watching the flow of the game? What are you missing? I would argue you are missing a whole lot. And then, of course, not with tablets who 
or which cannot be hooked up to the internet, but electronics have been used undoubtedly to cheat. Everybody is very familiar with the scandal involving the Houston Astros a few years back. And if you're familiar at all with that, you have to recognize a couple of things. Maybe somebody could argue that the Houston Astros broke the rules with a vengeance unlike any other team. That could be argued, but we have to understand this. They definitely were not the only team to break the rules. And the question is, do we now think that no team is using electronic devices to break the rules? I have no proof. I'm going to make no accusation against any particular team or any player, but I would think it's probably naive to think that nobody is using electronic devices to cheat. And we know that that happened actually just this past week. And it happened not in Major League Baseball, not at AAA, not at Low A, not at an SEC baseball game, but at a community college baseball game. Here's the headline from Friday, May 12th, found in the New York Post. College baseball coach resigns after players caught with illegal devices in helmet. The team was the Atlantic Cape Community College baseball team. The coach who resigned, Rodney Velarde, he had been there 13 years. He came to a fork, and the fork was fundamentally is winning more important than playing the game the right way? Is winning more important than teaching these young men who have been entrusted to my care for a year or two at a very instrumental time in their life, going from really boyhood to manhood, is winning more important than teaching these men how to be men of integrity? And he chose a fork that led to his losing his job, a job he had for 13 years. And that leads to another fork that has been taken, the fork of gambling. Major League Baseball has decided to pursue and promote gambling. Now, of course, they don't want any of their people in uniform to do it, but the problem comes into thinking that you can actually go down that road and not have that happen. And so not only is gambling promoted by Major League Baseball, you will see ads for it when you're watching Major League Baseball. You will see odds put up during the middle of the game. And not just the odds of this team beating that team, but the odds of a starting pitcher getting five or more strikeouts in this game. A particular hitter getting so many hits in this game. Things that people can bet on. So far, we've received no information. There's been no news about anybody in professional baseball betting. But it's only a matter of time. And we have, just recently, in the last week or so, maybe slightly more than a week, seen a college coach, a baseball coach at the University of Alabama, get fired because of gambling. It's a serious issue. Major League Baseball has chosen that fork. Our culture has chosen to go down that road. And it is leading to bad things, and it's going to lead to worse things. Speaking of gambling, of course, probably the place... Definitely one or two, but I would say number one, that people think about gambling is Las Vegas. And it appears, if you were a gambling man, you could bet, and I think would win, that the Oakland A's are going to leave Oakland and they are going to establish their home in Las Vegas. Now, if you're also a betting man, and again, I'm not, nor would I encourage you to be, you might place a bet. Will the 2023 Oakland A's 
have the worst record in Major League Baseball history. Here's where they're at right now on Monday morning, May the 15th. Nine wins, 33 losses. Buster only tweeted out that that puts them on pace to finish the season 35 and 127. And he noted that typically it is the 1962 New York Mets that is considered the worst team or the worst season in Major League Baseball history. What was their record? 40 wins, 120 losses. So the A's would top that by five, given the pace they're on right now. But here's the biggest thing. The 62 Mets had a run differential of minus 331 runs, which means that their opponents scored 331 more runs than they did. The Oakland A's of 2023 are on pace to have a minus 588 run differential. We'll have to wait and see. Pace is one thing. What actually happens is another. But right now, it's not looking good for the Oakland A's. Speaking of the Oakland A's, again, think about a yogi quote, a yogiism. If the people don't want to come out to the ballpark, nobody's going to stop them. (laughs) Well, that's happening in a big way in Oakland. And whatever a change of location may mean for the Oakland A's, as it regards attendance, as it regards their ability on the field, whatever the case may be, the move itself is not going to magically change things for them. And I want to use the Oakland A's here representing Major League Baseball. And then I want to use one particular thing representing uh, Major League Baseball as well and the fundamentals of it. So the Oakland A's moving is not going to magically change things. And it's not going to magically change the ability to run the base as well. And again, I'm using the Oakland A's and base running to talk about Major League Baseball and the fundamentals of the game. It seems that many of the fundamentals that were expected historically, are no longer expected. That basic base running skills, basic base running knowledge is not something that's very prevalent in major leagues. I mean, I see a lot of 9 and 10-year-old games and 13 and 14-year-old games, and to a degree, you would expect that they wouldn't know certain things. But I also see that at that age where there are some things they ought to know by then, they still don't know. Well, that's the little leagues, if you will. That's not major league baseball. It's happening at major league baseball. Here's an example again. I'm old, but I'm not that old. So about about 40 plus years ago, I remember talking to my younger sister, who was probably 9 or 10 years old, and she started playing softball. And I remember us going out into our backyard, and I taught her how to hook slide using either leg, or to put it a different way, with either leg back. Well, now just sliding seems to be an issue, let alone understanding proper base running. As I mentioned, you turn on the TV, you see it. You go to watch 13 and 14-year-olds, you see it. Just a lack of a basic understanding of what good base running is. Now, speaking about lower levels, in particular the Little League level, Yogi Berra said this, Little League baseball is a very good thing because it keeps the parents off the streets. And again, we chuckle at that because we expect him to say it keeps the kids off the streets and he uses parents But we live in a day and age in which that statement might be fundamentally more true than we could have ever considered. But then the question is, yeah, we might be keeping the parents off the streets, but what are they doing at Little League games? And I've seen stuff like this several times this year, and it happened again in the last few days. This was at an 11U baseball game, which means the players are no older than 11 years old. And I saw the manager assaulting an umpire. 
And then that manager and umpire locking together and slamming to the ground, and then the second umpire coming to help. What in the world is going on? This is a grown man. This is a grown man coaching 11-year-olds, and he's acting like that. What is happening? What fork of the road has led us here? I hope by now you know the answer. But here's another question. Will all of this, all the things I've talked about this far, most recently about this 11U game and this manager, and many other things, will all of this be dealt with by thinking mature adults? Adults with some kind of moral compass. Again, a yogiism. He said, it was impossible to get a conversation going. Everybody was talking too much. And you think, ah, that's silly. If people are talking, there's obviously a conversation. Well, no, not necessarily. Have you been on social media? A lot of people are talking. A lot of people are squawking. A lot of people are writing all sorts of things. That is not a conversation. Because a conversation entails listening. A conversation entails thinking. We got a lot of people talking. Talking too much. We have very few conversations. Now, there's a player today. He's getting near the end of his career. But I think he sometimes can sound a bit like Yogi. He is a very intelligent player. He knows the game of baseball. He is a phenomenal athlete. And just a couple of days ago, he accomplished a very significant feat in his Major League Baseball career. Zach Greinke make his debut and top step in him just through those tough times in life and now watching him on his way to... Yes! And he got him! Zach Greinke is the fifth pitcher in Major League history to strike out 1,000 big league hitters. Wow. That boy, Zach. So that's what he did. It was against the Milwaukee Brewers. He struck out the batter to end the inning. That was his 1,000th different batter to strike out. You heard that he became the fifth player or the fifth pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to do so. I'm pretty confident you know the names of the other four. Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Greg Maddox, and Roger Clemens. And then when you look at his reaction walking off the mound, it's classic Zach Greinke you would have had no idea that he just accomplished such a feat. And you heard the announcer saying he's on his way to Cooperstown. Uh, my question for you is, do you think so? Do you think that he is a Hall of Famer? I will say this, and I, I think there's an argument that can be made. I don't know if it's a slam dunk. Zach Greinke, as I mentioned, is very thoughtful, very knowledgeable, and a tremendous athlete. But he had to take a fork in the road years back. And he had to decide because his career began with dominating stuff. Velo, sharpness to the breaking balls, the whole thing. And he had to make the decision. Do I continue to try to be the pitcher I was in 2009 when I won the Cy Young? Or do I make adjustments so that I can continue competing and helping my team win? And he made the adjustments. And he has continued to pitch. And he has helped many teams to win. Now, I would love to hear what Zach Greinke would think about yogiisms. I'd love to hear what Zach Greinke would say about what he has seen during his 20 years in Major League Baseball. It's my practice when I get around somebody that I know who's been in the game a very long time to ask them two questions. I remember I did so once with my former pitching coach, Dick Pohl, and then also with a former general manager that I had. He was the general manager of the Pirates when I played there, Cam Bonifay. 
And I always ask guys like that, what is the best thing, the greatest improvement you have seen in baseball during your time in this game? And what is the worst thing, the thing that you think has impacted it the most in a negative way? I would love to hear what Zach Greinke would say about that. Major League Baseball and the game at all levels, again, all the way down to Little League, are constantly coming to forks and taking them. But the question is, where are all of these roads headed? If Yogi were still alive today, he might say, once again, the future ain't what it used to be. The so-called old school guys, and again, I fit in that category, not just because I'm old, but because I think that that the way of doing things for 100 plus years are better than the way we've been doing things for the last few years, they would say, I would say, there is a right way to play the game and a wrong way. So there's a fork in the road, the right way, the wrong way. Now, I'm guessing that many new school guys would say the same thing, but they probably have a far different understanding about what it means to play the game the right way and what it means to play the game the wrong way. But the point is, old school, new school, doesn't matter. We're at a fork in the road. And we're there not just in baseball. We are setting the direction for the future in the game and beyond it. The question is, is it a good one? Culture matters. Culture matters in the clubhouse. Culture matters in a family's house. Culture matters in houses of worship. Somebody that I believe is a baseball fan, but was definitely not writing about baseball, C.R. Wiley, wrote this last week. Cultures are held together by traditions and duties. They're intergenerational, and their arts tell the story of a people. Cultures never say, you do you. The fork in the road everybody comes to every day, again, is simply this. Trust and obey King Jesus or do your own thing. And it should be evident that there are many on the road to chaos. Chaos at best, eternal destruction at worst. Another very wise man who lived through things I can't even imagine, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, wrote this. All attempts to find a way out of the plight of today's world are fruitless unless we redirect our consciousness in repentance to the creator of all. Without this, no exit will be illumined, and we shall seek it in vain. That is profound and profoundly true. There's the fork. Again, my way or God's way. Turn from my way in repentance, change my mind in repentance, and take God's way. So sometimes we can learn things from scholars. Scholars that say very profound things like a C.R. Wiley or a Solzhenitsyn. But sometimes we can learn things through humor, through comedians, even a British comedian in 2023. I regret having gotten the vaccine. I really regret having gotten the vaccine. I'm sure it's fine, but I just wish when the state told me to do something, I'd be the sort of person who said no. But it turns out I'm the sort of person who says fine. I don't don't understand what's going on. You're telling me it's important. Okay. And all they had to do was say, you won't be allowed to go into pubs for like a month. And I was like, put it in me. That's what I'm upset about is that I had a principle 
temporarily. Like, oh, wow. oh, if I was in Nazi Germany, I would have stood up to the regime. I wouldn't stand up to not being able to go to a pub for a month. I would have been like, Anne Frank, she's in that attic there. I saw her. It doesn't matter what the point of principle was. The point is I would have been a chill. And that, I have to live with that for the rest of my three or four more years before I have a heart attack. So let's be honest. The forks in the road keep coming our way. Do we have, as that comedian said, principle temporarily? Or do we have principle that is based on an objective, unchanging standard? Because it's going to determine when we come to that fork in the road and we take it where we go. And here is a given. Forks will continue appearing before Major League Baseball. Some decisions will be called big and others small. But we know this, another significant fork is near. And we know that since we are fast approaching the month of June. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.